Hey guys, Pastor Jurgen here. I'm so glad you're tuning into one of our powerful messages that is guaranteed to absolutely elevate your life to another level. At Awaken, we only want to preach fresh, real, powerful to help you grow stronger in your walk with God, develop your faith so you can take more territory. I'm praying that God blesses you and enriches your soul as you listen to this amazing word from God. God bless you. Come on, who knows it's gonna be a good day? It's always a good day to be in the house of God. It's a good day, good time to do new things. We're starting a new series. It's called Truth Bombs, Truth Bombs, Biblical Answers to Burning Questions. Biblical Answers to Burning Questions. Come on, we're gonna drop some truth bombs today. One of the truth bombs that, that I want to talk about and kind of the start of, of this series is the question, how is the Great Commission being fulfilled? How is the Great Commission being fulfilled today? And you might be thinking, well, is that really a burning question? I mean, that question's kind of been around for a while, like say 2,000 years or so. Like, disciples have had the, the calling to go out and fulfill the Great Commission, to go into all the world and make more disciples, is, aren't there they're kind of more applicable or more relevant burning questions like how do we how do we deal with woke ideology how do we deal with transgenderism how we, how do we deal with the the things that that the government and other other entities or corporations or people are trying to push into our school systems like how do we deal with these things that are that are causing division today even within the church like the church is separated on a lot of these issues aren't aren't those a little bit more of a burning question? Isn't that more of a, a hot topic? And, and I wanted to come with, with this question first as we start this series because I believe that if we, especially as the church, can get the answer to this question right, then it makes all of the other questions easier to answer. We will deal with that woke ideology. We will deal with transgenderism. We will speak the truth. We will preach and teach and live the Bible, the gospel. The gospel is the truth, unadulterated truth, and nothing but the truth. There are a lot of, answer, lots of questions that we need to be answering, and we should, as the church, be standing up. We should be speaking. We should be answering these questions. The church, us, we, disciples of Jesus Christ, should have the answers to the burning questions of today. But first things first, we actually have to be disciples of Jesus Christ to answer the way that he would answer, to answer with the truth, not just from our interpretation, not just from our upbringing, what we think about the issue, but what does God say? What is God saying about the issue? You see, his word is the logos, the written word of God, but he's also speaking right now. He's giving us interpretations for today. How do we answer these questions in a language that the world of today can understand? But first, we have to fulfill the Great Commission. And that starts with us. Each one of us has to make the commitment, the decision to accept the calling to go out and fill all the world and make disciples. To be a part of, of, of this church is a commitment to this process. You know, we fulfill this church, we fulfill this commission in this church in a very practical way. Pastor Jurgen and Leanne, uh, it, it's not their heart that that awakened church would be the Jurgen and Leanne show. It's not their heart that this is, is Jurgen and Leanne MatissiusMinistries.com. Like their heart is to raise and release disciples. Their heart is to receive the anointing that God has given them and then pass it on to somebody else. To carry on the generation after generation after generation model of the church that God has planted in their spirit. And so they've given Pastor Lisa and I the commission to go into East County, to all of East County, and make disciples for Jesus Christ. And we're giving you the commission to go into your families, to go into your schools, to go into your HOA boards, to go into your neighborhoods and make disciples for Jesus Christ. That we all get to be a part of this process. And if, if that doesn't really interest you, if, if you're not ready to fulfill or you don't think that you need to be a part of fulfilling the Great Commission, then maybe this is not the church for you. Just going to throw it out there. I'll make, make it easy for you. I don't want to waste your time. And I certainly don't want you wasting my time. Because God has only given us so much time to fulfill this commission. So if you don't wanna be a disciple maker, if you don't wanna fill the commission, if, if you don't think it's possible that someday that you could talk to somebody about the word of God, then, then maybe this isn't the right church for you. But I believe you're all here because you feel like 
that is your assignment. That is your calling. God has brought you here for a reason. You're called to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. You're called to fulfill, like all of us, the Great Commission. And we will give you opportunities to do that. You may have noticed over the past couple of weeks, we've had some homegrown El Cajon speakers in the house. Pastor Joy Schutte preached her first full message a couple Wednesdays ago. Fantastic job. David Macon, the legend, preached last Sunday, this side of the cross, powerful message. Scotty Isaac preached on Wednesday, a great message. Fruit Factory, all of these are on the podcast, on the app, you can go listen to them. And coming up, we have Mother's Day coming up, so over the next couple of services, Wednesday and Sunday, we've got a quad pack of powerhouse moms, Elena Baker, Mercy Macon, Kelly Isaacs, Coral really are going to be bringing the heat over the next couple of services. So as you submit yourself to the process, as you come under the covering of Pastor Jurgen and Leanne and Awaken Church, as you dig into what it means to be a disciple for your life, you will be given opportunities to minister. Maybe it won't be on this stage, but we're all called to be ministers of the gospel. When we go out into our schools, our HOAs, in our families, the, the, the first people that you should be ministering to is if you're a husband, it's your wife. If you're a wife, it's your husband. And then it's your kids if you have those. Then it's your family. You should start at home first. You should be a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ in your own house. And then you can go out into all the world and be a minister as well. You can go out onto the streets and, and help somebody. You can be an example. You can be a light. We're called to be a light. We're called to go out and make a difference in this world. And you have the ability and you have the opportunity. And so we're, we're all asked to, to do different things at different times. And some of them are, are stretching. Some of us force us to step outside of our comfort zone. But, but it's really an opportunity. Nobody is forcing you into doing this because that's not the model of God. God doesn't force us to do anything. He's given us free will, but he's given us the opportunities to make good choices, the opportunities to say yes to him. And, and for me and Lisa, for our life, every single, every single time that we've said yes to God, we've seen our life, life increase. We've seen God do stuff through us that we, we would have never imagined for ourselves. More than we can ask, think, or imagine, God, his power can work through us if we're available to him. And so as we jump into this message, this is a message of discipleship. And uh, I know I have a history, I have a, a track record of being difficult for the media team. Like a couple of my last messages, one, I gave them 11 scriptures, 112, 115 scriptures. I had 15 scriptures for them to, to put up on the screen. So today, I'm switching things up. I'm doing things a little, little different. Today, I have for you all one passage of scripture. Yes, one. Believe it or not, one passage of scripture and only one. I'm going to be having the team put up. I'll reference a couple others, and you can take some notes. Go and fact check me later. Use your Bible. Tell me if I'm wrong. But this one passage of Scripture, many of us know. Who's ever heard of the parable of the sower? The parable of the sower. Most of us have heard about it. Most of us um, have heard some form of it. So this is the Luke version. It's in all the synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, some form of this, of this story. And actually, if you look at it, they're, they're very similar. A lot of times, the, the gospels... Will, will portray something in, in a unique way, but it's the same theme. But, but if you go down, like the words that are used in these, in these three versions, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, are very similar. They line up very well. This is Luke 8, 4 to 15. Who's got your Bible in church today? Come on, it's good to bring your Bible. Take some notes in it. Dirty Bible, clean Christian. Luke 8, 4 to 15. While a large crowd was gathering and people were coming to Jesus from town after town, he told this parable. A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path. It was trampled on and the birds ate it up. Some fell on the rocky ground and when it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. Other seed fell among thorns which grew up with it and choked out the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up and yielded a crop a hundred times more than was sown. When he had said this, he called out, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. His disciples asked him what this parable meant. And he said, and you can underline this, highlight this, this is very important. The knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of God has been given to you. The knowledge, the mysteries, the secrets of the kingdom of God have been given to you. Who thinks that's pretty cool? To know the knowledge and the secrets and the mystery. Okay, a few of you do. For the rest of you, it's pretty cool, whether you know it or not. 
Jesus told this to his disciples, the people that were with him. But if we today consider ourselves disciples of Jesus Christ, then it applies to us as well. We get to know the knowledge and the mysteries and the secrets of the kingdom of God. Did you know that the knowledge and the mysteries and the secrets of the kingdom of God possess the answer to any question, any problem that we might face on this earth? If we get this one point, then there's no problem too big. There's no problem too hard. There's nothing that can't be solved with, when you have the, the knowledge of the secrets and the mysteries of the kingdom of God. And God will give you these good gifts. He, he's willing. He's waiting. He's wanting to give you the knowledge of these gifts if we make ourselves available. Because not everybody does. Not everybody makes themselves available to receive this gift, to receive this knowledge, to receive this wisdom. Though seeing, they may not see. Though hearing, they may not understand. This is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God. Everybody got that? The seed, the seed is the word of God. Those along the path are the ones who hear, and the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts. So they, so they may not believe and be saved. Those on the rocky ground are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it, but they have no root. They believe for a while, but in the time of testing, they fall away. The seed that fell among the thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures, and they do not mature. But the seed on the good soil stands for those who with a noble and good heart, who hear the word and retain it, hear the word and retain it, and by persevering, produce a crop. Come on, that's a good passage of scripture. When I was growing up, a couple of people like it. In the, when I was growing up in the Methodist church, uh, there was a couple of times where I had the opportunity as a youth to go and share a passage of scripture at the opening of a, a sermon. Um, wasn't this long, it was usually just a couple of verses. But at the end of reading the word, the speaker would say, this is the word of God for the people of God. And I asked this question to the 9 a.m. They didn't do very well. So I'm going to ask it to you. So what is the response from the congregation? This is the word of God for the people, God. Thanks be to God. Yes, we've got some right. In. Were you guys in the first service? You guys are cheating in the first service. There's not too many Methodists. In there. Anybody grow up Methodist? All right, okay, a couple of us, a couple of us. This is the word of God for the people of God, and everybody would say, thanks be to God. Thanks be to God that we're not religious about how we read the word in this church. We, just, we read the word for the truth of the word. We share the word because it's applicable. It's not, it's not a predefined scripture on every Sunday. You can't go to any other awakened church right now and, and hear the same message. It's all revelation. It's all fresh manna from heaven. We are a church that's fresh, real, and powerful. We believe the word. This is the word of God. It is the truth. But God is, is saying things to us. He's speaking right now. He's, he's teaching us how to answer these burning questions of today. It's, he's given us some truth bombs. So are you ready for some truth bombs? All right. You're going to like this one. This is good. Each of us, each of us is responsible for our own soil. Each of us, I know it's a hard one to hear. You know, why did you lead with that, Pastor Michael? Like, lead with something more engaging, less, less hard to swallow in times. But each of us is responsible for our own soil. When we stand before God, when I stand before God, I'm gonna have to give account of my life. I'm gonna have to, to share the, the innermost secrets of my heart because God already knows them anyway. But I'm gonna have to explain what I did with the soil of my heart. Each of us is responsible for our own soil. Now, for some of us, it is harder than for others. I, I am so blessed. I'm so thankful that my grandparents, that my parents were strong in the word of God. They loved God. And they taught me. They trained me up in the way to go. But, but ultimately, it was up to me to decide to follow those ways. Ultimately, it was up to me to receive that word in my heart and to, and to live out my life in accordance, not just with their will, but with his will. And, and I'm fully aware, I know that it's, it's very difficult for some of us. Some of us don't have a great upbringing. We don't have a household where, where there is even a Bible present. Some of us, you know, have never heard encouraging words from our parents or our teachers. And, and for a lot of us, it's very difficult. But I know that the Bible says, to those whom have been forgiven much, they're able to love much. So regardless of, of how much you've sinned or how much you've been wronged or, or how difficult it has been for you, I believe that, that for those of us that it's extremely hard, 
God has given us an extreme capacity to love. God has given us the opportunity to love unconditionally, especially because we weren't loved at all. Like how good is it when we, can, when we can fully comprehend, fully understand the love of God when we never had a model or never had an example on this earth? How much glory does that bring to God when he can speak to us in our darkest place and, and if no one else has, that we know that his voice is there, when we know that his, he's with us? That's faith. I mean, that's faith. For, for me, I would say it was, it was pretty easy for me to come into my faith because of, the, uh, because of the model that I saw in my parents and my grandparents and, and my Sunday school teachers and the great upbringing I had in the word in that church. I, I, I'm so grateful for that. But for, for all of us, we all take our own path through life. We all have our own course, but, but the goal is to end up in the same place. The goal is to end up that we're all part of the same family, that we're all in his family. When we receive the word, but each of us is responsible for the state of our own soil, and there's none of us that get it right perfectly. There's none of us that are perfect, no, not one, Romans 3.10. We all have work to do. We all have work to do in the soil of our hearts. So the title of this message is Soil Cleanse. Soil Cleanse. We got to make the dirty dirt clean dirt. We got to take dirty dirt and somehow make it clean dirt. It's all dirt. And I wanted to call this message Dirty Jobs, but Pastor Lisa wouldn't let me. She said, no, that's too harsh. You got to make it nicer. So it's not dirty jobs, it's soil cleanse. Because we're looking at the vision. What are, we, what are we aiming for? What are we striving to do? Like, we know that we all have a mess in our life. Yes, we all get it. There's, there's stuff that needs to be cleaned up. But, but what is the vision of the potential for our life? And that's where I want us to get to today. There's a, there's a show on TV, Dirty Jobs. Has anybody seen it? Come on, host Mike Rowe, where he, he takes up all of these blue-collar jobs. He goes and does the dirtiest of the dirtiest, cleaning out stuff that nobody would really want to touch in their right mind, and, and doing some jobs that are very dangerous. Like some people have actually lost their lives doing these jobs that, that he's doing, he represents on the show. But he said something really powerful, and I want, to, I want to read you this quote from Mike Rowe. People with dirty jobs are happier than you think. As a group... They're the happiest people I know. As a group, these people with these dirtiest of dirty jobs are the happiest people that he knows. That's what I want to get to today. That's what I want us all to get to, realizing that the fact that we have a dirty job to do, the fact that, that there is some work to be done, the fact that we have a mess in our life, a mess in our soil that need to be cleaned up doesn't mean that you have to be unhappy. You get to be happy, and in fact, when you are clean of some of these things that I'm going to talk about today, you should be happier. Your life should increase. Your life should improve when you walk with Jesus Christ, when you're his disciple, when you go out and make more disciples. It should produce joy in your life. So many of you know this passage of Scripture. Many of you have heard it, but I wonder if you have heard it from this perspective, in, in certain translations and in the app that I use, at the, at the heading of this passage of Scripture, it doesn't say the parable of the sower. It doesn't say the parable of the seed. It actually says the parable of the soils. The parable of the soils. It's God's will that, that everyone who lives on this earth would repent, would come to him. 2 Peter 3, 9, and it's, it's the will of Jesus Christ. He gave the commission for all of us, once we have repented, once we have received salvation, to go out into all the world and make disciples. Great commission, Matthew 28, 19. So the goal for us right now is once we receive that word, the seed of God, once we are saved, to then be productive. The goal of this message is to go from being unproductive in certain areas of our lives into making it productive. In this passage of scripture, there's four types of soils that are talked about. Three of them are unproductive. Three of them don't produce what they could potentially produce. One of them is fertile. One of them is good. One of them is producing. But the burning question that I had when I was thinking about this message and preparing is, why can't all the soils be productive? Why can't all the four types of soils be productive? We see the end result when, when the, the good seed falls on good soils up to, to 100 times. Some versions say 30, 60, 100 times productive. But why is it that the other three types of soils are not productive? That's what we're going to look at today. The burning question in the truth bomb is this. 
All the soil in the farmer's field is capable of a harvest. All the soil, all the different types of soil is capable of producing a harvest. How do I know that? Because it's all in his field. The farmer owns the whole field. There's different types of soil within the field, but it's not like it's in a different country. It's not like it's, it's you know, even your neighbor's field. It's all one person's field. It's all your field. All the soil in your field, all the soil in my field is capable of producing a harvest. That's the burning question that I want to answer today is how do we get there? How do we make our whole field productive? What is it that's making it unproductive? So there's a couple of questions that I want you to ask yourself today. As I step through each of these types of soils, do any of these apply to me? Do I find this type of soil in my field? That's the first question. That's the most important question. If any of these types of soil are appearing in your field, then that's what we want to address first. You got to take the the log out of your own eye before you can help somebody else. But then you should help somebody else. And that's the second question I want you to ask yourself. Once Once you've dealt with the first question, once you've dealt with your own field, then ask yourself, is there somebody in my world? Is there somebody in my family? Is there somebody in my community? Is there somebody that I have a relationship with that I know is dealing with this type of soil? And if I've answered the question in my own life, then am I able, can I help them answer the question in their life? Can I help them make their field productive? That's discipleship. That's the best, disi- that's the best definition of discipleship that I can think of. Going from unproductive soil in my field to productive soil and then helping somebody else do the same. It's pretty simple, right? <laughs> it's pretty simple. It's simple in concept. It's difficult to work out. But that's why we're here. We're all on the same train, right? We're going to work this out together. All right, you ready? Here we go. The first soil, trampled. Trampled soil. Trampled soil. This is soil that is resistant to seed. The seed is sown. The the soil is there. But for some reason, it's closed off. For some reason, it's blocked off. Maybe maybe as a person, you've walked through life and, and you feel like you've been walked over or walked on more than you've walked through. Maybe you feel like a, a doormat in some, some ways or some situations. Maybe your parents were tough on you. Maybe a teacher was. Maybe, maybe friends ostracized you or, or, or whatever it is. You feel like you've kind of been trampled on. You feel like you're, you're a footpath. You're just, you're just a road for somebody to get somewhere else. If that's you or if that's a friend of yours, then you can be productive. You can be productive. You're called to be productive. When the seed comes in, you will be productive. You will be productive no matter how many times somebody has walked all over you, no matter how many times you may have been abused, whatever it is, you have the potential to be productive. Maybe, maybe you have certain mindsets that, that, are, that are difficult to release. Maybe you're closed off to certain things because of your upbringing, because nobody ever encouraged you. Maybe you didn't have a, a teacher in your life that, that said positive things about you. Whatever the reason is that, that you became like this, you became closed off or hard, maybe, maybe you're religious because you had a religious upbringing. Maybe there's certain things that you have a hard time accepting, like grace. Very religious people often have a hard time receiving grace. They're, they're so ingrained in the law that they, that they don't have room for grace. But that's the beauty of the new covenant with Jesus Christ is, is he didn't come to abolish the law. He actually fulfilled the law. Jesus fulfilled the Old, Old Testament, the Old Covenant, and he brought us a new covenant, one that is interlaced with grace. So we have to be able to receive that grace. Why is this, why is this so difficult? Well, the thing about a, a footpath, the thing about a trampled soil is that when the seed falls on it, it's hard to sink in, and so it makes it a really easy target for the devil. The birds of the air come quickly, and they snatch away these seeds. So, so even if the, the, the seed is good and, and the soil is there, like because the devil comes in and takes it away, it doesn't have time to, to sink down. It doesn't have time to germinate. It doesn't have time to produce because it can't get in. It was a member of my extended family who had a very tough upbringing and, and a very religious father. And um, it made him very difficult to receive love from God because his 
earthly father was, was very strict, very harsh. And, and it came to a point when he was uh, about to graduate high school that they got into an altercation, a fight, and, and, uh, and he left and he rebelled and he, he turned away from his father, he turned away from his family, turned away from God. And, um, and over the years, many people in, in my family have tried to, to speak to him, tried to, to, to cast good seed on that soil, and he's been very closed off and hasn't been receptive to it. But a few years ago, we had, were at a family reunion, and I was able to, to sit down with him, and everybody else had, had gone to bed, and, and we just had this moment where we could, we could talk. And, and really, I could just listen. I could listen to him. I could listen to his side of the story. I could listen to to you know, why it was so hard for him to receive. And, and I believe that, that in that conversation, in that discussion, there was, there was a few cracks that were opened up in the soil. And, and I haven't yet seen the fulfillment, I haven't yet seen the, the fruit being produced, but I believe with faith that those seeds found a way into the soil and the devil will not snatch them away. I believe that he's on the road to reconciling with his heavenly father. And he did reconcile with his father, um, you know, before his father passed away. And so there was a, 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 an avenue of redemption in the natural. And I believe the avenue of redemption in the spiritual is coming for him. And that's, that's maybe the most important thing with this type of soil is that you, you can't force it in. Because, because so many people have walked on it or so many people have pressed it down. Or it's been so trampled that, that forcing is not the right tool. Forcing is not the right answer. You have to... You have to Wait, you have to give opportunity. You have to extend grace. You have to almost let the soil open up from the inside. But that's not gonna happen if they keep getting trampled on. So one of the most important things that we can do if we find our own life is a picture or maybe a, a portion of our field is a picture of being trampled on, then we need to protect that portion. We need to set up boundaries. Don't let yourself be trampled on anymore. You are not called to be anybody's doormat. You're not called to be walked on. You're not called to be oppressed. But you have to set up boundaries if you don't want that to happen or keep happening in your life. You have to set up protections. You have to set up limits. And, and maybe you have to be the protection for somebody else. If you see somebody else in your family being walked on, then protect them. Stand in the gap for them. If they're being verbally abused, then you say, no, that's not what the word says about a child of God. You're made in the image and likeness of God. You have value. You have worth. God has dreams for you. He has plans for you like those little babies. That anyone who comes to Christ with the faith of a little infant, a little child, that's who God has received into his kingdom. You have to come with faith. So we set up these boundaries. We, we protect ourselves. We protect others. We protect those in our community. How, how big is your field? Who, call, who are you called to protect? Well, how big is your faith? The size of your field is proportional to the size of your faith. If you have faith only for yourself, then that's your field. If you have faith to protect your family, then that's your field. That's what you're called to protect. If you have faith for your community, if you have faith for this church, if you have faith for this nation, then that's what you're called to protect. Set up boundaries and protect it. Don't let this nation be walked on. Don't let your community, don't let your mayor be walked on. Don't let your wife or your husband be walked on. Do not let your kids be walked on. What do you have the faith for? If you don't want them to be trampled, then you gotta protect them. You gotta give them an opportunity to allow the seed to come, on, come in and resist the devil. He will flee from you and those birds will not snatch away those seeds, amen? amen? How do we do this? In our own strength, in our own ability, it's very difficult. When, when we bought our house five years ago, we started a, a project to do the landscaping, probably after a couple of fun letters from the HOA, but, but we got there. We got there to, to start this project, and, uh, and I took a shovel to start the project, and I, I went to put it in, in our nice East County soil. <laughs> nothing. Put it down again, nothing. And go to jump on it, nothing. All of my weight on that shovel in our hard, compact base wouldn't do anything. So I took the shovel and I threw it away. Like, that's not the right tool for this job. I went to the hardware store, and I got a power shovel. Something with some force behind it. The Bible says when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, you will receive power. You can do things that are more abundant, more capable than anything that you can do in the natural. When you pick up that power shovel of the Holy Spirit, you get words of wisdom. You get words of knowledge. You get discernment. 
All the gifts, all the fruit of the Spirit are available for you. That's power. That's the power that we need to, to break through this hard, trampled ground. When, when you're speaking with somebody that's very callous, they, they may have, been, they may have been, uh, had the Scripture preached over them. They have been, maybe had the Bible slapped over the head a few times. Like, like, that's not the way that you get through to them. I'm sorry, but you don't go out on the streets with a, with a bullhorn and, and tell them that they're going to hell. Like, that does not reach trampled soil. You walk a mile with them. You don't have to walk a mile in their shoes. And that's maybe, maybe a, a lesson or a caution for some people. You don't have to go and, and live through someone else's life just to be able to minister to them. Jesus, Jesus never picked up the mantle of a blind person. He never, he never picked up the mantle of a prostitute to be able to minister to those people. You can minister through the power of the Holy Spirit to everyone in a way that they can receive it. Ephesians says, let every word that you speak impart grace to the hearer. So you can walk with them, but you don't have to walk in their shoes. You can walk beside them. You can support them when they fall over. Absolutely. You can speak grace to them 100%. And you will find a way, if you ask and keep asking, if you knock and keep knocking, if you seek and keep seeking, you will find the answer. The door will be open. Just find a way. The next type of ground is the rocky ground, the rocky soil. When I was in middle school, I received Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. But I would say that, that even though I had a great upbringing, even though I had amazing parents and grandparents that, that were a model for me, an example for me, and showed me the way that, that my soil was shallow, you know, my, my, my root system my, for my faith didn't have, didn't have much space to go down very deep. And this is the story for many people. When, when I left the covering of my parents' home and I went off to college, because of this shallow soil, the, the temptations came and the tests came. And, and, and that little faith that I had or, or the plant that I had, my Christian walk withered away. I would say that, that my faith never withered away. My faith was always there. I always knew that I was saved, but I wasn't behaving like a Christian. There's a big difference between believing and behaving. If you believe that Jesus is your Lord and Savior and you confess it with your heart, then you are saved. That's it. That's all that's required. But for all of us, we don't always behave like a Christian. Even after we've said that prayer and received Jesus, we, we still make mistakes and, and I'm no different. I made mistakes, and, and I, I walked away from the church. I walked away from my upbringing, you know, because of the temptation, because of the testing in that season. My faith was shallow. We can't rely on our parents' faith. We can't rely on our pastor's faith. We can't rely on, on whoever has discipled us or, or invited us to this, this understanding of what grace is. We can't rely on their faith. Our faith is our own. Our faith is is our own. We have to nurture it. We have to develop it. And so, so in this type of soil, there, there, there can be quick growth. There is a layer of soil, but the problem is that underlying there's rocks. There were rocks in my life that, that were preventing the roots from going down deep. And so we have to get down, sometimes on our hands and our knees, we have to get dirty and we have to remove these rocks from our lives. If we want to receive the word and have space for the roots to really grow and, and take firm hold in our life, then sometimes we have to remove these rocks. When we were doing our yard project, there was you know, so much dirt and dust that was all over the place, and, and it was really hard to distinguish at times the, the rocks from the dirt, and I'd go to, to, to work on an area and just find a bunch of rocks, and then I, I found this trick, like it, it sprinkled one time, and, and the water, when it came down, it, it actually exposed where all the rocks were. And then I started kind of spraying the, the, the yard, the area that I needed to work, and I found, okay, there's the rocks, there's the rocks. It made it so much easier to find where the rocks are when I sprayed water on it. The Word of God says, husbands, love your wives as Christ loves the church, washing her with the water of the Word. When we apply the Word of God to our soil, the rocks will be made evident. They'll pop out. It'll be such a clear distinction. Before, it was, it was so dirty. It was kind of intermingled, and, and it was hard to distinguish. But when you apply the word of God to your life, you'll find the rocks. It won't be hard. Now, removing them is another task. Just finding the rocks is the first steps, and then we have to remove them. We have to remove the rocks from our life. 
I was, I was digging a trench to, to lay a gas line in our yard, and, and wouldn't you know it, like I got halfway through digging this trench, and right in the middle, right where the trench line was going was this massive boulder, this massive rock. And, and I had this gas-powered trencher, and man, it was, it was chewing through all the, the soft soil, even some of the, the little rocks, it would kick them out, no problem. But it got to this boulder, and boom, dead stop. Couldn't go any further. Tried it again, boom, dead stop, nothing. And so I realized even this power tool was not going to work in this instance. I had to get down into the trench. I had to get on my hands and my knees. I had to get dirty. I had to dig all around this boulder. And then when I tried to move it, nothing. It wouldn't budge, not even a little bit. And so I realized that I needed some help. So I went over to my neighbor. Who knows that you need some help from your neighbors to get rid of some of the big rocks in your life? Who knows that you need some help from a connect group leader? You need help from your pastors. You need help from your friends to remove some of the big rocks in your life. You are responsible for your own soil, but you don't have to do it alone. You don't have to remove all the rocks from your own field by yourself. You should participate. It's not somebody else's responsibility to remove all your rocks, but they can help you. That's what discipleship is. It's helping other people remove the rocks from their field. So I went to my neighbor and I, I borrowed this five foot long steel pole. And I got this pole under the rock. And with all my might on the other end, I was able to move it a couple inches. <laughs> but I dislodged it. I got it moving in the right direction. Sometimes when you're, when you're dealing with these big rocks in your life, it may seem like the thing is only moving an inch at a time, but it's movement. And if it's in the right direction, you're doing a good job. Keep at it. Keep pressing. That couple inches that I was able to get that rock up gave me enough space to get under it. Gave me enough space to not, not just see around it, not just see the top of it. You have to know how big the thing is on all sides before you can properly remove it. I was able to get under it and lift this thing out of the trench. Get it out of my way. Get it out of my life. And now, actually, it's a feature in my landscaping. It's a testimony. Your testimony. Sometimes the biggest rocks in your life are a testimony that's going to be beautiful to somebody else. If you use it in the right way. Your rocks can be beautiful if used in the right way. You got to get under it. And, and the rocks that I'm talking about, if there's a section of your soil, if there's a section of your field that you know is rocky ground, it's not pebbles. It's not pebbles that we're talking about. Like these are significant issues. These are significant things that are not gonna just go away on their own. You're not just walking along and pick it up and throw it away. There are, there's some of that and that's fine. But what I'm talking about is really doing the digging. And how do I know if I'm supposed to dig? Is there an area of your life when temptation comes, when testing comes, that the plant withers away? When you feel the heat, do you get out of the kitchen? Or are you willing to stay in? Are you willing to press in? Are you willing to recognize these areas? And I would say, in this instance, it's maybe not best to identify somebody else's big rocks, even if you know it's there. <laughs> Love them enough to stay with them, even though the rocks are there. Give them time to find the rocks on their own. Give them time to hear from the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the best locator of rocks ever. He'll show you where all the rocks are. You really don't need somebody else to point out the big rocks in your life. But you need other people to help you sometimes, and that's fine. Once you've identified the big rocks, be humble enough to say, I need help. Be humble enough to go to your friends, to go to your leaders, to get prayer, to get help, to get the right tool for the right job. And if somebody asks you, be gracious, be gracious about it. You can say, hey, you know what? I had to deal with the same rocks in my life. I've helped somebody else pull out the same types of rocks in their life. Every situation is unique, every rock is unique, but there's, there's certain traits, there's certain characteristics, there's certain methods that are applicable for certain, the same type of problem. And there's a lot of people in this church. There's, we have a, an amazing recovery ministry that have, that have helped so many people remove the big rocks from your life. Big rocks of addiction, big rocks of abuse. 
big rocks that people genuinely need help getting rid of. But the most important thing is that they decide that they're ready to get rid of it. And when they do that, when we do that, then we can do the dirty job that somebody's got to do. The next type of soil is the thorny ground. The thorny ground, as we come to a close. It, this, this type of soil is interesting because it, it says that, that the good seed actually does start to produce. The good seed does grow up. But the problem is that there's also these thorns, there's also weeds that are growing up with it that choke it out. So it's not that the soil isn't, isn't working. The soil is doing what it's supposed to do, but there's other stuff in the way. In, in the account in Matthew of this parable, right after that parable, there's a parable of the, the wheat and the tares, where the farmer has sowed good seed, but then an enemy comes in right after and sows bad or evil seed that has thorns, that has tares, that has these weeds, and they, they grow up with it. And in the beginning stages, it's really hard to distinguish one from the other. You can't always tell what's a weed when it first starts out. When it first starts to, to grow or to sprout, it may look like good soil. Sometimes the, the, the idea of wealth creation, you know, which is something that God has given us the ability to do. Deuteronomy 8.18, I have given you the power to gain wealth. That's, that's a good plant. That's a good seed that produces good fruit. But it can often be steered in a bad direction. It can often be surrounded by, by the, the riches of this world, the lure for wealth, the lure for, for mammon, for money. And God says that you can't love him and mammon, or the love of mammon is the root of all kinds of evil. So you have to be very careful. You need discernment. You need to rely on the Holy Spirit to show you, yeah, this is a good seed. This is a good plant, and, and this is not. What is the heart condition around it? That's what you have to discern. That's what you need to know is, am I cared? Am I worried about the things of this world? Am I anxious about things, you know, for, for, for no reason? Or, for, or am I anxious about things because they seem significant? But, but the Bible says, cast all your cares on him. And in Matthew 6, when you seek first the kingdom of God, then he'll give you everything else as well. He'll give you your, your desires, the things that you're longing for that are of him, that are of his will. That sometimes you just, have to, you just have to put him first, and then that'll show you. Once you put him first, once you put his kingdom first, what else is acceptable around you? Yeah, absolutely, I want you to start that business. Absolutely, I want you to, to go into partnership. Absolutely, I want you to be a blessed to be a blessing. Absolutely, I want you to come into Pathfinders and level up, go to the next level. Absolutely, you should do the apprenticeship and gain the knowledge and wisdom that you need to be a difference maker, to be an impact, to be a, a vision builder, to, to, to expand in new, into new territories, to reach more people for the kingdom, to help build more altars for Jesus Christ to fulfill the Great Commission. They're all good tools if you use them in the right way. But the word can get choked out. It can be, get out-prioritized sometime in our life. These weeds, these thorns, these tares can, can grow up and, and, and snuff out or overshadow the good seed that was sown. And so what do we do? Well, we need to weed it. <laughs> we need to go in and take out the weeds. Wear gloves, absolutely. You should protect yourself. There's, there's unfriendly attachments on all of these weeds. They, they almost always come with thorns. They almost come with prickles, things that are, that are gonna hurt you if you're not careful. You should take care when doing this. Don't expose yourself to further injury when you're weeding. But it's a task that needs to be done. You have to get down into the soil. And the longer the weed has been there, the deeper the root system See, the thing about weeds is, is early on, they're actually pretty easy to pull out. They don't have a deep root system. They don't have strength. But they have this, this really pernicious ability to reproduce. In fact, there's certain types of weeds that can produce 1.8 million seeds in one plant. One weed plant can produce 1.8 million seeds. And those seeds can last up to 25 years in the ground, dormant. 1.8 million seeds just laying around dormant in your field if you don't care for that one plant, if you don't pull that one weed. The university, or New Mexico State University researchers said this, remember that continued management must occur as replenishment of the weed seed bank, all those 1.8 million seeds that stack up, can occur rapidly within a season. So make sure to remove the weed species before they produce seeds the hard work and diligence will pay off. 
when you have hard work and diligence to look after the weeds in your field, to look after the weeds in someone else's field. There's sometimes where you can, you can clean out your, your whole yard of weeds, but then your neighbors hasn't done that, and their little spores kind of come over and populate more weeds in your grass. So this is a time where I think you can go over and say, hey, let me help you with those weeds. I can see those weeds. I'm happy to help you take care of them. So then our whole, our whole row, our whole neighborhood can be weed-free. This is something that takes constant maintenance. The, 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 the big rocks that we have to deal with in our life, you shouldn't have to re-remove those big boulders from your life again. That boulder that I took out of the trench, I'm never gonna have to take that boulder out of the trench again. It's out, it's done, it's finished. It's a decoration now. The big things in your life, once dealt with, you shouldn't have to deal with them again. But weeds are a different story. As we walk through life, weeds happen. We have to deal with it. We have to deal with it before it starts producing seeds, unless we want to keep dealing with it over and over and over and over again in the same spot. There'll be other weeds that we have to deal with later, but, but let's, let's get at these problems before they start reproducing. Let's help other people get at the problems as graciously and kindly and lovingly, truth and mercy, righteousness and justice coming together. We can deal with all these types of soil. What's, what's the point of all this? The truth bomb that you probably have come to right now as we come to the last type of soil is that good soil doesn't happen on its own. Good soil doesn't happen on its own. Not since the Garden of Eden has good soil just happened. Since that time, the ground has been cursed. It's under a curse. And so we have to deal with the weeds. We have to deal with the thorns. We have to deal with the rocks. We have to deal with the tough ground to make it good soil. But if you use these tools, if you apply them to your life, then your entire field can be productive. Why don't we stand up as we come to a close? After I pray, I'm gonna invite the ministry team to come down. If you know that, that there's any area of your field, of your soil, of your heart, where there's trampled soil, where there's rocky soil, where there's thorny soil, and you're ready to deal with it, then I'm gonna invite you up at the end to pray with the ministry team. They'd love to, to say a prayer with you and, and open up your heart to allow the Holy Spirit to come in and give you those words of knowledge, those words of discernment, those words of wisdom. So you can, you can allow the, the tough exterior to open up just a little bit. Or maybe it'll give you some tools if there's somebody in your family like the person in my family, where I needed the Holy Spirit to come and speak through me to that person. Maybe just coming to the altar is an act of obedience for them. Maybe the answer that you're looking for is not for you, but it's, it's for, for somebody in your family who's been trampled on, who has some, some tough soil. Maybe there are some big rocks in your life. Maybe right now is the time to deal with it. You make the decision. Nobody's gonna force you to do this. But if you want to allow the roots of the word of God to go deep into your life and you see an area where, where you faced a trial, you faced a temptation and you kind of you stop producing fruit in that area, then maybe it's an indicator that there's a rock there that needs to be removed. We'd love to help you do that. We'd love to, to, to pray with you and allow the Holy Spirit to, to speak to you about how to remove that thing. And if you need some help, if you need some tools, that's what we're here for. We'd love to do that. Maybe, maybe you just need a good old-fashioned weeding. Maybe it's time for some spring cleaning in your life. Maybe you want to address some of these little prickly issues you know, before they start producing seeds, before they multiply. Then it's time to do that. Why don't we all pray as we close? And before we get to that ministry moment, I want to I invite you. If you've never said yes to Jesus, if you've never taken the first step of discipleship, which is to accept Christ as your Lord and Savior, and then I want to give you an opportunity to do that right now. The process of discipleship can only begin if we receive the seed, that Jesus Christ is the seed. He is the way, he is the truth, he is the life, and nobody comes to the Father except through him. He is the starting point of discipleship. So if that's you and you know that you need Jesus in your life, you know that, that you've been called to live your life with him beside you, with the Holy Spirit, 
then Jesus is the access point. So right now, with every head bowed, every eye closed, if that's you, I'd love to pray with you. Would you just lift up your hand wherever you're at? I'll include you in that prayer. Who else? See that hand back there. God bless you. See that hand. Thank you so much. I see that hand. So proud of you. Anyone else? God, see that hand. So proud of you, champ. So good. Is there anybody else here today? You need that seed, the truth, the word of God to come into your life so you're born again. I see that hand back there. Thank you so much. I see that hand. So proud of you. I see that hand back there. So good. Is there anyone else? Just one more. Once I've seen your hand, the hand, you can put it down. Am I, am I waiting on just one more? I want to be patient in this moment, but I need, to, I need to wrap up the service and dismiss, but I don't want you to miss out. This is your decision. Just, just a little opening, that's all it takes. Just one opening. I see that hand, champ. So proud of you. Good job. Why don't we do this? Let's, let's all say these words together, especially if you lifted up your hand. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for sending your Son, Jesus Christ, to be my Lord and Savior. Right now, I repent of my sins. I receive Jesus into my heart. I believe that God is my Father and that I am saved. And I will live out my life in a way that honors Him. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Wow. What an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen, for more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.